1: Hey everyone, Laney here, and I am here to present another True Crime Convos, this time covering the case of Justin Ray. I hope that you enjoyed this episode, and if you feel like joining me for a special live session, you can join me every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Central for True Crime Convos on the Spotify Greenroom app. Okay, on to the show. Hey everyone, Lainey here. We are back. I am the host of the True Crime Fan Club podcast, the It's Haunted What Now podcast, and the Crimes of Passion podcast, a podcast original on Spotify. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Tonight we are going to talk about Justin Ray. Let me tell you what, you guys, I cannot... For the life of me, get a break. When it comes to being sick, it is just really crazy. My daughter started um, daycare uh, the past week, and so, <laughs> um, yeah, she's brought home illnesses, and we all have COVID, so our immune systems are down, so we're just susceptible to little kid germs. And yeah, so we're all going through it, so I sound like a stuffy lady, and for that I apologize because nobody wants to hear that, but I didn't want to let you down. I wanted to be on tonight, talk about this case because it is truly a bizarre case. It left me scratching my head when I first heard about it, and I don't think a lot of people have heard about this case before, so I really wanted to um, bring it to Green Room so that we could chat about it and go from there thank you guys my gosh let me tell you why i also have an audiobook i need to record and i can't do that because i sound like this (laughs) could you imagine i'm supposed to sound like a teenage girl and i'm just like hi uh you know maybe if i'm going through like puberty it'll work for the boy but it will not work for the girl um and i have to do like a high-pitched voice for another girl who reminds me of sydney i think that's her name from euphoria and let's just say I have a weird problem with euphoria because this is supposed to be about, um, what, teenagers in high school. And it feels oddly, I'm not, does not feel, it is pornographic. <laughs> like, they're, um, the show feels <laughs> extremely pornographic. And so I feel weird watching it, knowing this is about high schoolers. um, Because, you know, they're like engaging in a lot of sex or watching a lot of sex. And I'm just like, this feels a little, um, inappropriate. I literally got to the first episode and I was like every ep. no, I think I went to the second one or something, but like every single freaking episode is so intense. You guys, it is just so much. Let's see. Yeah. Madison, same thing. It's like, I like, uh, it just feels weird. You know, if they were college kids, maybe it would feel different. But the fact that they're all in freaking high school, I'm just like, oh, God, it feels weird watching high schoolers pretend high schoolers have sex. It's not something that I'm um, 100 percent interested in. But the storylines are great. What they're going through is great. Um, The hardcore drugs and the usage of those is kind of insane. Um, So. I don't know. I mean, I guess our kids like just randomly doing drugs like that like happily doing cocaine like it's no big deal like when I was in high school we did have people like I had I knew people who did things like that but it was like they were already down this like you know really bad path it wasn't like a party drug it was like this is the drug I'm doing um you know I don't know I had friends that OD'd like when I was in high school and in college so to it like whenever I see them like kind of just doing drugs like that i'm like oh my gosh is that how it is right now in high school who knows and if it is what the fuck (laughs) you know thank you everybody for wishing me well see madeline said (laughs) madison said nope and i work in a um high school yeah too old to watch it at this point because i'm just concerned exactly that's what it is i'm like oh my god come on um Yeah, I was like, I thought people just were like vaping, and taking like vapes to school illegally. <laughs> you know, like not snorty cocaine or whatever. I don't know. Anyways, we'll have to talk about euphoria another day. It's just been on my mind a lot. Um, so I wanted to talk about the pod, not podcast. I wanted to talk about the um <sighs> the crime committed by Justin Ray. Now what's interesting about Justin in particular, in this case in particular, is that there's a lot of um, footage online of him. Um, And so he, he kind of gives us an insight into, you know, his life, if you will, like on YouTube and everything. Um, So it's just really interesting. Case in general. So tonight we're talking about Justin Todd Ray. He was born February 25th, 1982, in LA. His mother's name is Rose, and Justin also used the last name King at times. Although when we were looking through his ancestry and stuff, there was nobody in his ancestry that was linked with that last name. So we're not really sure why or where he got that name from. It may just be a preference thing. So um, the woman that he was in a relationship with, her name is Jessica. Um, she had a sister named Sarah, and she Sarah said that um, Justin told her he grew up in Compton and his Facebook pro- profile lists that he's from Compton as well. And a friend of Justin's um, named Pam said that Justin was very kind and handsome, but he also had a big ego and seemed to be very self-involved very confident. Um, Not that there's wrong with anything being confident, but you know that level when it goes a little bit too far. Um, Now, Justin's Twitter profile lists links to mindfreedom.org, truthovercomfort.org, fightcps.com, and wompwompinfowars.com. So I think it's safe to say that he was into conspiracy theories. Um, Like I mentioned earlier, Justin also had a YouTube channel His videos were mostly about how CPS was corrupt. He also showed pictures of his kids and Jessica in places that he's traveled. He also shared his uh, wisdom. And he often talks about the websites listed on his Twitter. Now, um, I want to play a little clip just so you can hear from him. Kind of what he sounds like, where his mind's at. Um, So, This particular clip, it's not going to go on for too long, but he basically talks about how he's a nice guy and will always do what's right. And I think if you have to say that, it's probably not true, right?
2: You know, the thing is, though, is that out of everybody, I'm actually a nice guy. And nice guys always finish last. My motive is always to do the right thing. And I will always defend my honor as
1: well as other people's yeah and that was a um chest like (laughs) gorilla thing on your chest you know yeah um and then so that was like uh, okay I wouldn't like be so excited I mean if you watch the videos if you look on YouTube you can watch them it's under Mr. Justin Ray C.S. and Ray is spelled R-E-Y There's another clip, too, where he talks about, like, how lies, like, if you lie, you'll get caught. Um, And it's really ironic considering why we're here (laughs) talking about him. So here it
2: goes. And the truth will reveal itself. And the lies will always get you caught up. No matter what. It's karma. It's universal principle. It's God's law over any law. No matter what religious belief you believe in metaphysically speaking you're trash you're nothing and neither am i so let's move forward and leave all as well alone
1: yes (laughs) and also during this time like if you're watching the videos he is um really close to the camera And I don't like when people do that in YouTube videos and also the long pauses in between, you know, for um, dramatic effect, if you will, those also are kind of like, Oh, you know? So it's ironic. Obviously when I watched that video, I was like, well, considering what you're about to do, like, or what you're, yeah, it's ironic. So he also considers himself to be a Christian scientist, which is important to know for later. So in a Facebook post, Justin said that he's an eight, he is an 8.5 year Marine veteran or eight and a half. Sorry. It was written that way. And I read it (laughs) that way. So I, I wasn't able to prove that information. Um, I checked the SCRA under the last name Ray and the last name King plus using his date of birth and nothing came back for Ray, but there was a match for King that came back. And if it is him, Then it said that he served three years in the army starting April 24th, 2002. But again, we didn't have any way to like link him to that last name King other than his own word, if you will. So it's not conclusive proof because there could be somebody else with that last name and that date of birth. Like King's a very generic name, I would say that date of birth. I mean, you know. Millions of people have it, as we know, because Madeline's husband <laughs> has it. So hopefully he's nothing like Justin Ray in terms of how cocky he is. I'm just kidding. No, no, no. Okay. So again, not conclusive proof or anything like that. But Jessica's sister, Sarah, said that Justin didn't have a regular job as far as she knew. She said that Jessica said that Justin was an escort man and he got paid to be a date or whatever else. Um Now, Justin's friend, Pam, said that she met Justin as he was trying to find work, and he actually gave her a business card that said he had worked in, and this business card said this exactly, (laughs) sales, escort, music, video, photo, laborer, promoting expert, etc. You're a busy man if you have all those, uh, you know, those titles, especially on a small little business card, my friend. Um. So now let's talk about I've mentioned her a little bit but let's talk about Jessica Ray. So she was born Jessica Michelle in Montiero on December 6th, 1984 in Tulare County, California. She was the middle child of three girls. Um, she grew up in Tulare and Hanford and Visalia, which are all in California. And if you are a true crime fan, then you know that the Visalia ransacker who was caught recently um I don't recently, maybe in the last few years. Um, That may ring a bell for the Golden State Killer, Joseph James D'Angelo. So she grew up in that area. Um, Her parents were divorced, so she lived with her mother for the majority of the time, but she did live with her father um, on occasion. Now, the household had a lot of verbal and physical abuse, and at 15 years old, Jessica's family moved to Palm Springs. So Jessica's sister, Sarah, said that Jessica didn't see any negative in the world all her life she just couldn't see it she was always happy and friendly no matter what she was a great big sister and really more like a mom and a best friend she was super loving and caring and she knew what family meant so she kept family very close to her Sarah also said that Jessica was kind nurturing but most of all naive she was sweet and again she couldn't really see the bad in the world she was always saying that God would take care of it God will be good And again, Justin's friend Pam described Jessica as sweet, gentle spirited, um, a person who smiled a lot. And Jessica's friend who remained anonymous said that Jessica had a heart of gold and was a beautiful person and that Jessica was artistic. Um, So you can see the differences between how people describe Justin versus how people describe um, Jessica. And so it kind of, now that you understand kind of how her naivete may come into play with this. Um, we can kind of understand the relationship just a little bit more, knowing that Jessica's gonna see the good side in somebody versus the negative, right? So she's always gonna try and flip it so that she can see the best in that person. Now, according to Jessica's sister, Sarah, Jessica and Justin met right after high school in California. Um, she ended up, Jessica graduated. Um, high school in Palm Springs, and she went to college to be a fashion designer, but she ended up dropping out after she met Justin. So Sarah said that the first two years of the relationship was good, but then after that, things changed quickly. Justin and Jessica were married in 2004 in Palm Springs. Now, hold on to your pants, because Jessica and Justin had six children in total. Now, according to Jessica's sister, Sarah, Two of the children were taken away by the state of California and two were taken away by the state of Arizona. The children were taken away because Justin was violent and threatened to kill Jessica. At least once the couple had a two year old daughter who was with them when Jessica gave birth to their sixth child, a girl right before she died. So the four children, sorry, the four children who were taken away are named um, and we're naming them, just because they were part of the affidavit and everything um, and significant time has passed. So Jonathan Jr., Juliet, Jasmine, and Joy. Now the two-year old they had custody of is named Joanna. So I want to play the clip of Justin talking about how his um, daughter Juliet was taken away, oops sorry, was taken away um, by CPS at gunpoint. Um and again, it sounds all a little unhinged, if you will. And I think we've gathered that from the very first time we've heard anything um from Justin. And again, you can see all of these videos if you go on to his YouTube, if you'd like to. So I'm gonna talk about Julia. And he also um he also posts like pictures of the kids like doing a voiceover of these um issues that he's having with CPS.
2: California to Jonathan and Juliet after three weeks we finally got a chance to see them after they, they legally kidnapped our children by gunpoint for no legal reasoning no legal documentations we called the FBI and finally we went to go see him and took our audio video equipment and taking pictures reported it to the judge and the judge will not let us see him anymore due to the fact of us taking pictures and videos and voice memos we knew the judge from Southwest Community Church. and several other of the uh, social workers and people we've known in the past. They abused our children, molested them physically, sexually, emotionally, abused our children. Juliet was actually on a sippy cup, put her back on a bottle. You could see the difference, though, from before and after, but we will get them back. We're not giving up. God is good. We're still alive. I'll tell you what, you better kill this.
1: So yeah. And then he goes, I mean, he's showing pictures. The video that um you just heard the audio from, he's showing pictures of his visitations with the children, um, with his son and with his daughter, and which is Jonathan Jr. and Juliet in this particular video. So he's um he's really like trying to paint this picture. And if you look at the videos of, um, or look at the pictures that he's posting on YouTube, he will, he looks, they both don't look great. Him and Jessica do not look good at all in terms of like, they look like they've been on something. It's just, you know, it's not great at all. Um, there's so many clips, you guys, of what we could pull from. So I want to play just another one. Um, I'm trying to figure out which one you can, you guys can let me know. So I have a video where he's reading a letter about why Juliet was taken away. Then he talks about fighting for his kids and how CPS is illegal. And then he talks about CPS abusing his children, talks about how he'll die protecting his family from CPS. And then I think the most, um, Uh, the most like important one or impactful one is when he confronts a CPS worker while he's um, visiting with his children. So I think I'll play that one first and um, go from there. Oopsies. And again, he's doing this with um, his children there during the visitation they're playing. They don't even really notice anything. And it could be this when you grow up in a chaotic household, like they likely did. But you kind of just look over it and just see it as a normal thing. So here he is confronting um, CPS. Now, the title of this video is Kidnapping by Indio Child Protective Services. And in the description, he says, I thought that Child Protective Services was supposed to protect children and families from harm, uh, not cause harm to children and families. Well, I was wrong. CPS kidnapped our children for no legal reasoning From a perfectly loving household, they were fed, rather, okay, sorry, I'm going to, it's hard to read this verbatim because he's, it's so jumbled. They were fed, loved, clothed, had their own rooms, had protection, money, and everything they needed. Then CPS got a hold of our children again for no legal reasoning. CPS beat, raped, drugged, and mentally slash emotionally harmed our children. They won't give us any info on the children's whereabouts or how they're doing. So.
2: I'm fine. I'm taking what I want. These are my kids. You guys have taken false allegations illegally. I'm not playing your guys' game. I, I don't care what you're saying because you don't care what I'm saying. You're not seeing the evidence. And the kids are. Oh, yeah. Actually, you all do. You have my kids. You're all involved. And you're all going to go down for it. But just not take video of any other adult. There's no other adult in there except the CPS worker. Exactly. I know what I took a video of. Like I said, I just did. And, I send it to see, and I'm it. And i sending it on Facebook. I got my uh, FBI agent that I'm sending it to. I'm doing an investigation on this case. Uh, I don't have time for games. My kids are being abused. I don't have time for this. Yeah, it is their job to do what? Take our kids' false allegations. I don't have time for it. Hey, little man. Hey, hey.
1: And it's really sad, too, because you see the kids just playing. Jessica's kind of sitting on the couch and not really um, engaging when Justin is doing these things and having these conversations. Um, He just is. I think it's also laughable and shows kind of the level of delusion that he was at when he talks about how he's working with an FBI agent to investigate CPS. Um, It's just not you know, something that rings true. And I can't even imagine if you're in that situation watching this happen, being like, uh, okay. Um, like in one of the descriptions of the videos, I mean, he goes on these just rants, you know, as you heard, he'll say things like we were and are good parents and good people, CPS and all the illegal doers in the system, you will go down. I I never give up on good We will never give up on our children. We will never give up on our family. We'll never give up on God. We will do anything and everything to put CPS and the illegal doing police slash sheriffs that did this to our children slash family. We will slash are making sure that this will never happen to a family to families. Anyone that wants to join the fight to put the kidnappers out of business, give us a thumbs up like this video. As well, reply to this video, subscribe to us, as well as go to the websites, fightcps.com and mindfreedom.org. Thank you, and God bless you all. So many of those video descriptions, like that one I just mentioned, and some of his descriptions, he lists people by name who will pay. Like, um, when he said, like, we'll never give up, he says, Linda and John Lee, you'll be incarcerated. Mary Monteiro, Walter Monteiro, Sarah Monteiro, Rhonda Monteiro, and anyone who was it, who was and is involved will be incarcerated. Alicia, Lacey, Linda, and Julie from Starbucks, like, fuck, what did Julie from Starbucks do? Of all people will be incarcerated. Greg and Brian Wong will be incarcerated for the kidnapping of our children, as well as the involvement in the case of the kidnapping of our children. So it's just like, He's just randomly like selecting people, and then, of course, anybody he's engaged in. Exactly, not Julie from Starbucks. I'm like, okay, I don't know what she did, but yes. So he is also, at the time, very active on YouTube and on Facebook and on Twitter. So September 2017, he puts this Facebook post out there where he says that the government kidnapped four of his wonderfully perfect, healthy, loved, and perfectly cared for um, kids. He also said that the government stole four of his vehicles, a motorcycle, millions of dollars of audio equipment. First of all, if you have millions of dollars, no, you don't. um, Of audio equipment, his Palm Desert condo, electronics and all the evidence slash paperwork he has of the government stealing his children. And what else? Government stealing his children. He refers to the government as illegal doing Nazi government officials. And he wrote about how the government is setting him up and that he will not be their JFK, MLK Jr., etc., a.k.a. he will not be killed for what he knows. At least I think that's what he's saying. So Jessica's sister, Sarah, felt like Justin was a little strange. That's being nice and very controlling of Jessica. Sarah said that Justin isolated Jessica from her friends and family. She would go years without talking to them. Sarah said that Jessica felt stuck in the relationship. Sarah said that Justin and Jessica moved from state to state. And Sarah said that Justin threatened to kill Jessica before, and he also threatened to kill Sarah. So, one of the couple's neighbors described Justin as angry and verbally abusive. Sarah said that she hadn't seen Jessica in over two years, but she had talked to her on the phone in April of 2017. So, Jessica told Sarah that Justin had kicked her out on the street with her two year old daughter after he found another woman. So, while on the phone, Jessica said she was hiding from Justin. But obviously, she got back together with him sometime after that. Um, I want you guys to also hear from her family, too, so that you can understand kind of where they're coming from. Let's see. Madeline. (laughs) She wrote his name wrong. I wonder if. Yeah. No. Her family. um, Jessica's family was the. People or the people in Jessica's family were the ones who did contact CPS. There were obviously um, other individuals who did see what was going on um, with the kids. They, I mean, again, if you look at Justin and you look at Jessica, they do not look healthy in the least, but very skinny themselves. Um, I can't imagine they had a lot. I mean, they didn't have a lot of money or anything like that. So he was right in you know, targeting them per se about, um, you know, the CPS allegations and things like that. But we don't know specifics behind why they were taken away because the two people who have that specific information can't tell us. Um, And Justin's too deluded or delusional, sorry, to be able to clearly state that. So it was more likely that the children weren't in a safe and healthy environment and that they weren't properly being cared for. And so we'll go into that in a little bit. But here's um, their family, Jessica's family, talking about the relationship. From state to state, and he was extremely controlling. And then the minute he got in her life, I went to their wedding. And after that, I would never seen her again. Her, her mindset and her soul were innocent. And she was just isolated. really taking advantage of that. They feel Justin should be held accountable for Jessica's death. I can't even process it. it and we, we don't even get to see her, just to even warn her, just to see her and say goodbye. Like nothing. took that away from us. Yeah. And again, what he does is extremely unhinged, if you will. So let's get into it. So we don't know how or when really, that they made their way to Kansas City. Um, witnesses who were in contact with him before Jessica's death said that the Rays were homeless and that Jessica was pregnant. Every witness said that Justin was controlling and Jessica was often fearful of him. So a central church of the Nazarene in Lenexa, a pastor called the police in September of 2017 about Justin's erratic behavior and mental state Um, The family had been going to that church for assistance and later the police, the pastor called the police again after Justin sent him threatening text messages. Um, One witness met Jessica in a Lenexa fast food restaurant bathroom in early 2017. And the witness said that Jessica was crying over Justin. So she talked to her and they ended up keeping in touch after the meeting. So after finding out how Justin treated Jessica, the witness told Jessica she should go to a women's shelter. But Jessica told her, I think it's not safe. If I do it, he's going to come after me. He's going to hurt me. So in September 2017, 35-year-old Justin, 32-year-old Jessica, and their two-year-old daughter checked into a hotel. The hotel was called the Woodspring Hotel, and it's located near the um Kansas City Chiefs and the Kansas City Royal Stadium in Kansas City, Missouri. So from the hotel to the Kansas border is around about eight miles west. So October 20th, 2017, Justin and Jessica were in the hotel room when Jessica gave birth to another baby girl. After giving birth, Jessica dies. Now, two days after Jessica passed away, Justin spent eight hours dismembering her body because not all the body parts fit in the cooler that he brought with him. He boiled some of the body parts on the stove and flushed other body parts down the toilet. So again, an extreme reaction to what's going on, right um and Daniel, it's not that the shelters weren't reliable. It's just that, as we know, with any type of intimate partner violence, um, <clears throat> any type of you know domestic violence issue, women are often afraid to leave, and she's seen him you know target people who have allegedly done him wrong, so obviously he would see her as turning against him because of her leaving him and going to a shelter, etc. So I don't necessarily think that the you know that she felt safe thinking that the um shelter would protect her or that they could, you know, and maybe she didn't want to put other people in danger because she knew kind of what he would be capable of. So again, he doesn't call the police, not because he doesn't trust them, right? So he's not gonna call the police so that he can report that his wife died and uh, it's an unattended or an attended death, but it's suspicious obviously because she gave birth and then died. So it would require an autopsy of sorts. So you don't know if this was, you know, it would, he wouldn't have trusted her. Like what we know of him now, he wouldn't have trusted an autopsy in case he did murder her or anything like that. So his thought process is to dismember her and um, just get rid of her body. So. October 23rd, 2017, he checks out of the hotel by calling the front desk and using a woman's voice. And then he's seen on surveillance video walking with his daughter while pushing a stroller and pulling a red cooler with a black bag on top of it. Um, I know that he went to a storage unit at some point, but I'm not sure if it was right after he checked out. Um, They had a storage unit that they would either stay in sometimes, etc., which is why... You know, again, they didn't have a stable home environment or a stable home. So their kids, uh, you know, were obviously taken at some point because of that. And they were kind of grifters. They moved around a lot to avoid CPS. Um, on October 24th, 2017, police received a call from a manager of a storage unit saying people were sleeping inside of the storage unit. The storage unit was located in the 9200 block of Marshall Drive. And it was a in a U-Haul storage unit. So the storage unit manager tells police that an alarm had gone off overnight because people were sleeping in the unit, which is against the rules. It was around 45 degrees at night, and the manager ended up speaking with Justin the next morning, and Justin said that his wife had died. He told the manager he was at the storage unit getting his um, wife's belongings as she had just passed. But the manager ends up calling the police, and the police start trying to find Justin and his children. Obviously, they're concerned with the temperatures being low, the fact that He said his wife died. They have children. So on October 24th, 2017, Justin contacted Bruce, an executive director of the Principal Foundation, which is a nonprofit which provides assistance for Christian scientists. The Ray family had been receiving assistance from the nonprofit for years. So Justin told Bruce that Jessica died and he needed financial help. So Bruce responded by helping Justin run errands that day. While they were at lunch, Bruce got a call from the police asking if he knew where Justin was. When Bruce told Justin that the police wanted to talk to him, Justin just leaves. So October 24th, 2017, Justin and his kids met a man and a wife, and they've remained anonymous, understandably, at a restaurant called The Well in Kansas City, Missouri. So while they're there, Justin told the couple that his wife died during childbirth and that he wanted to take his daughters home to Arizona. Justin said he was waiting for his military money to come in and he needed a ride to the train station. So the couple felt sorry for the two young kids. So they agreed to take him to the train station um, and they were able to put the kids in their grandchildren's car seats. So the man said that the two-year-old looked like a cancer patient due to her hair. Justin asked the man to stop at a Lenexa storage unit before taking him to the train station because he said he'd been staying in the unit since he'd been evicted from his apartment for not paying rent. Now, the man said that while at the storage unit, Justin got out a stroller, a gallon jug of urine and a plastic storage bin. The cooler was leaking brown liquid, and the man said he and his wife didn't want to help Justin anymore after he saw the storage unit, but they felt like they couldn't back out. So as the couple, Justin and the kids, were leaving, the police showed up. I want a vacation that can make the fun happen. For me, the best parts of a vacation are the ones that surprise you, and I call those the fun expected moments. And I get those from Funjet Vacations. Funjet Vacations offers vacation packages to your favorite destinations such as Mexico, the Caribbean, Florida, Hawaii, and more. For over 45 years, they've delivered friendly, reliable service so you can focus on the fun. Right now, you can use promo code FJ50 to save $50 on your next FunJet vacation. That's FJ50 to save $50 on your next FunJet vacation. Get more moments that are fun expected. Surprise yourself where you could go at FunJet.com or call your local travel advisor. Restrictions apply. There's honestly nothing more important than taking care of yourself. Because if you're not feeling your best, you can't be your best. Sambucol helps you feel your best with powerful immune support, powered by nature's superfruit, black elderberry. Now listen, I'm a new mom, so I don't have time to feel down and out, so I make sure to incorporate my Sambucol in my everyday life. It has been something really, really important to start off my day. I feel like I'm taking control with Sambucol because it helps support my immune system and I feel like I'm doing my body good by taking Sambucol every day. It has a great taste. I honestly love the gummies the best, so sometimes I feel like starting off my day with a nice warm cup of water, and I'll actually use the Sambucol drink powder in there, and it tastes so good. It's really, really refreshing, and makes me feel like it's an easy thing to incorporate into my wellness routine. Best of all, Sambucol is a trusted brand. It's the original black elderberry and was developed by a virologist, so I know I'm getting a great quality product. And you can, too. Get 15% off your next order of $9.99 or more at SambucolUSA.com. Use TCFC for 15% off. That's SambucolUSA.com. Use TCFC for 15% off. S-A-M-B-U-C-O-L-U-S-A. Dot .com
3: use code TCFC for 15% off
1: Felt something in their gut and were uncomfortable with it. So I think that they were really relieved that police showed up. So the police find Justin, his two-year-old daughter, and um, the days old baby at the U-Haul storage unit. Now, again, according to police, they agreed with the man and said that the two-year-old looked like she had cancer. Um, The baby wasn't wearing adequate clothing and had an eye infection. And police thought the children looked malnourished. The storage unit had a foul odor. And when he was asked where his wife was, is or was, sorry. Oh my God, I can't breathe really. <laughs> Justin told police that um, she was in Arizona. But then he would sporadically tell the police that his wife's body was in the cooler because she had died a few days before. Um, so Justin told police that he and his two kids were not sleeping in the storage unit. They were just packing things up to go back to Arizona. So I love how he's just like, yeah. Um, she's in Arizona, just kidding. She's actually in this cooler because she died. And you're kind of wondering like, how is this, you know, woman in this cooler? It's not a very big cooler. So you imagine she's crumpled up, but then you realize, actually, I've dismembered her, but we're just going, because the thing that they care about, right, in his mind is that they were sleeping in the storage unit versus what the actual issue is, is that you have your dismembered wife in a cooler. So Jessica's remains were found in the cooler and a tote inside the storage unit. And the remains were in such bad shape, the police officers could not tell the age, gender, or race. A bloody raincoat was found in a bag with formula and food, and the two-year-old's toothbrush was inside with Jessica's remains. Justin was arrested at the storage facility for child endangerment since the children didn't have adequate food or shelter. The two children were taken to the hospital, and once they were medically cleared, they were put into foster care. Um, an EMT and his wife who responded to the crime scene are the ones who took the children in. So his first charges happened on October 26, 2017. He was charged with two counts of aggravated child endangerment, federal charges, and two counts of contributing to a child's misconduct, which were misdemeanor charges. Um, the charges were in Johnson County, Kansas, since the sword unit was in Johnson County. So on November 15th, 2017, Justin was charged with abandoning a corpse and child endangerment in Jackson County, Missouri, since the hotel was located in Jackson County. So he's facing two pretty serious, two serious charges um, in two different counties within um, two states, so Missouri and Kansas. So this is what he ends up telling police after his arrest. He says that the couple did stay a few nights in the storage unit, but then he said, Oh no, just kidding. We were only there for 11 hours. Like at that point, guy, nobody cares. Like, at you know, like you say, what we're focused on here is that you've dismembered your wife, but focus on the fact that you spent a few hours or a few days in the storage unit. Um. So at first Justin said that Jessica quote suicided after she gave birth in the hotel bathroom because she had no will to live. But he also told police that Jessica died while giving birth, and he said that he used a plastic fastener and shoestring to secure the umbilical cord. And then later, Jessica put Jessica's body, or sorry, Justin put Jessica's body and the kids in the hotel bed and then took pictures of them. So after he takes the pictures, he puts her body back in the bathtub where he would eventually dismember it. So Justin said that he is a Christian scientist, meaning he doesn't believe in traditional medicine and that's why he was delivering the baby because of his christian scientist beliefs he didn't call the police because he could thought he thought he could heal jessica with prayer and this is not a valid excuse as christian scientists are allowed to use doctors for childbirth and they are allowed to seek medical attention um what we know now truly based off his history is that he didn't call the police because he was worried they would take his last two children away um and for somebody so engrossed in the world doing him wrong. He didn't want them to win again. And so he was willing to do what he needed to do to stop that from happening, even if it meant not getting help for Jessica um, or whatever else. So police went to the hotel room where Jessica was dismembered. After the drain was removed from the bathtub, there was human tissue found. Blood was also found throughout the room. And then hotel management told police that the day Jessica was seen, the last day Jessica was seen alive was October 20th. So an autopsy performed by Dr. Charles Glenn on the body parts determined that there were indeed Jessica's. So her remains were identified via fingerprints and no cause of death could be determined because, but, um, they did see that Jessica's uterus was consistent with recent childbirth. Um, Her head and torso were found in the cooler along with tissues and organs. Jessica's limbs were severed and somewhat intact, but Glenn couldn't determine if the cuts to Jessica's tissue came before or after her death, which is just so horrific um, to think about that. If she was alive at any point while he was doing this, that's terrible, you know, to think about that he was, I can't even imagine like if she was, lucid enough for something like this to happen. I hope not. Like, I hope that she had already passed um, before he dismembered her. And it's kind of, you don't really, I mean, with things like that, you see like the egregiousness of human nature, right? And what other humans are capable of doing to other people. And so it's kind of like sobering, if you will. So in October of 2018, Justin told police that they should look through his phone, which was the dumbest thing he could have done. Like, I'm not, I'm all for locking this dude up, right? But he's an idiot, um, especially for this. So he tells the police, look through my phone for evidence and you'll find evidence that's going to prove my innocence. Guess, actually, you guys, why don't you guess what they find on his phone instead? Just guess. Little guesses here and there. yeah think of this it's completely unrelated to his um wife's murder but think of like what would cause the police to want to or like justify everybody's like sitting here justifying um why they wanted him locked up in the first place and why his children may have been taken away. Brianna gots it. So instead of finding evidence proving his innocence, police find child sex abuse material. There were pictures of girls younger than 18 and screenshots. One screenshot was of children in a nudist camp. Uh, police also found internet searches for nudist teen. And when police asked Justin why he searched for nudist teen, he said he didn't search for that phrase. He was asleep when it happened, and the only other person who could have done it was his wife, but she didn't do it, because the searches were from October nineteenth, two 2017. So, on November second, two 2018, because police found the child sex abuse material, they charged Justin with three counts of child sexual exploitation, um, in addition to his other charges, and these charges were in Joss- Johnson County in Kansas. So, do you think that's the end for Mr. Justin Ray here? No, because he's then charged in another murder. So, May 7th, 2016 was the last day Sean Ty Farrell was seen. He had gone on vacation with Justin and was never seen again. After Sean was last seen, people noticed that the language in Sean's text messages were different than usual. And they assumed that someone else was using Sean's phone to text him. So, Sean was reported missing. On May 25th, 2016, Sean Ty Farrell, he was born May 25th, 1950. Um, he was a white male, 5'10 and 100 pounds. He has brown eyes and gray hair, or sorry, and gray hair and last seen wearing a T-shirt and jeans. So on August 16th, 2016, Justin got into a car accident in LA and he was actually driving Sean Farrell's Mazda. He fled the scene and in the tr- trunk, trunk, police found Sean's blood. Police also found that Justin charged more than $56,800 on Sean's credit cards that he stole. And police were able to find surveillance footage of Justin using Sean's credit cards in Palm Springs and Yucca Valley and Kingman, Arizona. One time he even wore a disguise while using the credit card, and the disguise was later found in Sean's car. And some of Sean's property was found in the storage unit Justin owned in Kingman, Arizona. So the property included Sean's phone, wallet, medication, a letter, laptops, and other electronics. Some of the property was found in the Mazda, and the GPS in Sean's car showed that the car had been to a remote area near Williams, Arizona, in May of 2016. Um, Police interviewed two witnesses about Justin's possible involvement. Um, One witness was a woman who was just a passerby who Justin offered to drive to California after they met in Arizona. Justin told the woman that he stole from two old dead guys and would charge things on their credit cards. The other witness was Justin's ex-girlfriend. According to the ex, in 2016, Justin said he would give her a ride to Mesa, Arizona, because her car wasn't working. And during the ride, there was an unidentified transient in the car with them. The ex said that the transient angered Justin, and once the transient was dropped off at an Arizona Safeway, Justin told his ex, I could have just slit his throat and took his wallet, but I didn't do that. I think the purpose of the police, including the exit statement, is to show that Justin talked about killing people, but I don't think that the transient um, was Sean. And we don't really know how they um, knew each other exactly. So there was this interview for a new station called KESQ. Justin's friend, Pam, hello, Pam, said that a few days before Sean went missing, Justin introduced Sean to her as his father, Ty, and Sean seemed a bit surprised, but he went along with it. Um, so we don't really know like what happened, but he did say that this guy was his dad, and to this day, Sean has never been located and is presumed dead. Justin was charged with Sean's murder by Palm Springs police on November twenty second, 2017. So he ends up going to trial. In November of 2017, for the child endangerment, misconduct, and child sex abuse material. Um, Justin said he did not want his family to be broken up, so he dismembered Jessica's body, saying, It's something I had to do. My family is very dear to me. It's something I had to do to protect my family. He said, It was not fun for me. Well, thank God, you know, poor you. Justin said he wanted to take Jessica's remains to an Indian reservation in Arizona, and he would have transported her body on a train. Justin said he didn't do anything wrong or illegal and that his kids were well taken care of. Uh, not according to the people who saw her. Your personal perceptions and personal beliefs may be different than mine, but that doesn't make me a killer or a criminal or a bad father. Justin was removed after he said in an outburst that the state was kidnapping his children. And uh, I'll let you hear his outburst here because surprise, surprise, he's unhinged.
2: I'm not going to stop talking because I have- and you're not letting them know any of my rights, marital rights, parental rights, and none of this. None of my rights are being withheld. Your, your officers lie and say that I was sleeping insane in a storage unit, which is not true. And all of this is fact. Under personal belief, not under law. You're talking about law and justice, but let alone you guys are doing so much illegal stuff because you guys are the most wealthy, the most wealthiest county in the United States. And they think they're
1: going to get away with it. It's not right. I have religious rights. Parental rights, marital rights. My wife kills herself and you guys kidnap our children. Told me legal and wrong. I would love somebody to appoint me. I'm not angry, wrong, or angry and mentally unstable. Totally legal. <laughs> I love the last part. I'm not angry, wrong, or mentally unstable as I express all of my anger and mental instability. Um, and marital rights, I'm like, You killed your wife. I think he killed his wife. It's all still a un- you know, unknown because There's no cause of death that could officially be um, granted. But again, I don't think you just dismember a person for your religion. I think you dismember a person to hide evidence. Um, That's just my opinion. I'm just one person. So on December 14th, 2007, he was found incompetent to stay in trial. And a few months later, he went to Lawrence State Hospital to receive treatment for 90 days and then, after he had received the mental health evaluation, he was then found confident. Surprise, surprise! Justin filed many motions throughout his court proceedings. He filed motions including that he had <laughs> ineffective counsel, that he wanted to represent himself, that he needed a retrial, that he needed a change of venue, and that the case should be dismissed. He did this over and over again. Um, his trial officially began January twenty eighth, two thousand nineteen. So the prosecution's case was that Justin was putting his children in danger by dismembering his wife's body in front of them, not providing food, and having them sleep in storage units. Their main tactic was to provide a timeline of all the events to show what Justin did to his children and why it was considered child endangerment. They told the jury that Justin claimed Jessica died by suicide after giving birth, and after Jessica's death, Justin dismembered her body for eight hours. He took breaks to check on the children, and then... He took the remains and the children to the Lenexa storage unit to help their timeline. The prosecution admitted Justin's diary entries, which, again, this is part of our don't write anything down, how to get away with murder kind of situation. Um, they submitted his diary entries from October 20th, 2017, into evidence. Justin wrote that at 3.25 p.m., he delivered the baby. At 4.56 p.m., Jessica and the baby were, quote, doing well. At um again, the placenta was not yet out. And then at 6.40, snipped cord. 8.45, mom passed. The prosecution also admitted text messages from the day of Jessica's death into evidence. The text messages were between Justin and his co-worker saying Jessica had the baby and everything was fine. Now, Justin's defense attorney was Scott Toth. The defense argued that Justin was a questionable parent and mentally ill, But that didn't make him a criminal, and his two children were never in danger. The defense argued that the prosecution could not prove that the child pornography searches were done by Justin. And while Justin testified, his attorney only questioned him about the child pornography. So that meant that the prosecution could only ask him about the child pornography and not what happened to his wife or anything about his children. On the stand, Justin repeated his story about how he had nothing to do with the child pornography on his phone. He suggested that the police actually had something to do with it. Justin said he has he was a Christian scientist and that he didn't have sexual desires, so he wouldn't look at any type of porn. That's also why you have six kids, I guess, because there's no sexual desires whatsoever. But whatever. So the jury deliberates for eight hours, and then around 12.30 a.m. on January 31st, 2019, Justin was found guilty of two child endangerment misdemeanor charges instead of the felony aggravated endangerment of a child, two contributing to a child's misconduct, misdemeanor charges, and three sexual exploitation of a child for possession of um, child sex abuse material felony charges. Now, before he was sentenced, Justin went to court to ask for a new attorney. (laughs) He said, this is not okay for you to be doing this. It has been 17 months, and I still have not had a chance to speak or show the hard evidence of me being innocent, let alone the body cam or the U-Haul cam to prove me innocent. Justin also asked for a new judge. He said that his judge was dishonorable, and the proceedings against him were illegal. And um, I think that's interesting that he is the source of honorable and dishonorable um let me see when he tells this lady that she's dishonorable i think it's pretty hilarious that he's telling her this and i always try to find you guys clips because i know it's kind of i'm a court nerd so i love hearing court cases and stuff like that so if you guys don't like those let me know but i like i like them okay here we go so he's gonna say she's dishonorable
2: I mean, either one you've given me has been visiting the DA and has been visiting you behind doors. That's not legal and it's not okay. Under the rules and laws of the state of Kansas, including those like Barnard State Hospital, who have actually told me those things about the laws of the state of Kansas, it's not okay for you guys to be doing this. It's been 17 months and I still have not had a chance to speak or, or show the hard evidence of me being innocent, but let alone the body camp, the Axon camps, the, the U-Haul camps, prove me innocent. Including witnesses that are not out of state only. I have a letter here that I've written, a copy, a carbon copy, proving, proving what I've asked this individual, Scott Toff, to do this attorney. And he did not understand the process by which you need to go through to ask the client
1: for. You guys, would I tell you that his defense attorney (laughs) is sitting there like. You're a fucking idiot, dude. Like, you're just digging yourself a grave. And he can't, like, say, like, "Oh, sit down, shut up. Um, Because then again, when it goes to appeals, that can be used um, to bolster ineffective assistance of counsel. (laughs) So, also, again, if you have all... This is what I don't like about conspiracy theorists, right? Like, truthers and things like that. Is that they go on and on about all this hard evidence and show me this. I'm like, okay, show it to me then. Let me see it. But... Of course, then they'll never show you because they don't actually have it. Um, just like he doesn't. He didn't have any. Unlike body cams, you don't think that if somebody thought you were innocent at any point or thought you were being railroaded by the system, that a FOIA request wouldn't have been done. Any true crime podcaster out there would have done a FOIA request. Trust me. Um, I don't care enough to waste time on him to do that because I know that there is no body cam footage. Um No U-Haul storage footage. Again, he could have contacted somebody from one of his truther groups or whoever was assisting him from his Christian scientist group and been like, hey, listen, there's this information that's in the storage unit, you know, or camera footage that's here, but it's all a delusion. It's not true. So, sorry, that's my rant. June 28th, 2019, Justin is sentenced to 104 months in prison. (laughs) send me a jiff if you want to hear his outburst when he yells at the judge so he when he's sentenced he yells out at the judge and he's like you all believe you're gonna get away with it and the judge told him that if he interrupted her proceedings again he'd be removed from the courtroom and he goes okay well then just shoot me so then he was removed and then as he's taken from the courtroom he says hey they don't give up a leap about me or my children. All because I dismembered a body? Are you kidding? Justin was also sentenced to register as a lifetime sex offender. You guys. Hold on.
2: A man ordered to serve almost nine years in prison. Back in 2017, Justin Ray was found in the Lenexa storage unit with his wife's dismembered body... And the couple's two children. He told police he dismembered his wife's body because she died in childbirth, and he wanted to get rid of her body so he wouldn't lose custody of the children. After two delays, Justin Ray was finally sentenced today for child endangerment, and he did not take it quietly. 41 Action News anchor Cynthia Newsom is in the newsroom right now. And Cynthia, what? Oh, okay, okay, thank you so much. I looked at the judge.
1: And- Sorry, We're I thought rolling. I had it ready.
2: Judge. I never
0: wanted to distort you. I never named my children. I'm have then, surely, I have not
2: done anything wrong. This is not right for you to not let me talk
0: for 20 months. <coughs> Ray kept talking, and as promised, the judge had him removed from the court and taken back to jail where he was on video conference while the judge ordered him to serve almost nine years in prison. And this will not be the last time Ray is in court. He's still facing a charge in Jackson County of abandoning
2: a corpse.
1: So <laughs> I thought it was funny. Just shoot me then. All because he dismembered a body? Like, come on. Have some sense about you. What a dumb thing to say. So on August 15th, Justin, of course, files a motion with the United States District Court for the District of Kansas, and he was seeking relief because 13 businesses, people, courts, etc., had violated his rights. He also motioned to appoint counsel in these motions against the 13 businesses, people, etc. Here are the businesses and people he named as defendants: Johnson County Adult Detention Center, Officer Hot Stetler, the Lenexa Police Department and its entirety, a previous law firm he used called Billam and Henderson in its entirety, Palm Springs Police Detective Mario Casal, Palm Springs Police Sergeant Journey. I don't know his name, Sergeant Journey. U-Haul in Lenexa in its entirety. Our cremation and its entirety, the Johnson County Adult Detention Center in its entirety, Johnson County Courts, Johnson County Adult Detention Center Officer Ellis, Judge Kathleen Sloan from Johnson County District Court, Johnson County Sheriff's Department Civilian Employee Graham, and Johnson County Adult Detention Center Lieutenant Burns. Justin said that the U-Haul made a false claim or call to the Lenexa Police Department, which resulted in slander and damage to his good name. I don't think that that was the precipice for the damage to his good name, but okay. Justin said that our cremation violated his rights by releasing his wife's ashes to her mother, despite his instructions to the contrary. Justin said that Billum and Henderson were in some deep illegal doings with the Johnson County, Kansas uh, and other authorities around the state and some of Missouri. The allegations against these defendants were obviously dismissed because you could not sue them as they are not people. Um, Everybody else, lawsuit issues were dismissed um, because guess what? He did not provide evidence that those businesses were working with state officials against him. Private entities cannot be prosecuted at a state level unless it's proven that state officials worked with them or their conduct is chargeable to the state. So... He also goes on to say he mentioned one of the uh civilian employees, Graham, denied his right to notarize again dismissed, so basically everything was dismissed, and um he had no constitutional rights whatsoever because you know when you are found guilty of these things, it's kind of like, yeah, that's not what we're here to talk about you he has he basically is trying to um Wow, what's the word, you guys, I'm trying to think of? Like, distract from the fact that he did this by saying, oh, look what they did. You know, in HR, I do employee relations, so I know people like that. But yeah. So he ends up going to the press, of course. He wrote many letters detailing how he was innocent and how everyone was denying him his constitutional rights, blah, blah, blah. Um, They're just really dumb letters. I'm not going to lie to you. So he also wrote letters to the Palm Springs police department saying that Sean, the man he's accused of murdering, left the Coachella Valley to start a new life and was cremated at his Arizona Lake after dying in his sleep. But in another letter, Justin said that Sean died in Nevada. I think his problem is that he's putting himself in the room with people when they die. He could have just been like, I don't know where he's at, but instead, no. Um, Yeah, so he goes on to talk to a news anchor, and in the interview, he tells her that there was proof in the storage unit that would exonerate him. He said there was 14 years of possessions, including heirlooms, baby clothes, his wife's clothing, car seats, pictures, a laptop, and a Christmas tin with four cell phones. All of those possessions would prove that he was a great father, a great husband, and an honorable religious man, all of which makes no difference when you've dismembered a body. He said that um, when he asked about the child pornography or asked about the child porn found on his phone, Justin said he didn't know anything about it. And he said that he and Jessica shared the phone and the pictures were taken um, when he was asleep and that the police set him up. So Justin said that the jury trial was a hoax, a setup, and that he was framed. He believed that his attorney was incompetent and the jury was rigged. And he said he didn't want, you know, like they said earlier, they didn't want to have... Um, he didn't want to have his kids taken away again, and that's why he did it. Um, the why he didn't call the police. So the AP ends up asking him, "Okay, so then, like, understandable. You don't want to um, call the police, get it? Uh, why did you dismember her body?" And he goes, "Well, what else was I supposed to do? I wasn't going to leave Mama behind. Are you kidding?" <laughs> so he ends up writing in a letter. That his children had not been in any danger. He's not a murderer. He never abandoned a corpse. You're right because he took it with him. So I guess he has a point there. Never lived in a storage unit or facility. Never looked up screenshot child porn. I did dismember a dead corpse. Under religious views again. Yes baby. All the kids are okay. Um, Thankfully because they were taken. Away from them. Um, So again. There's no religion, as far as I know, especially like with the Soul Christian Scientist, did a deep dive. Don't ever want to do that again. Um, but yeah, there's nothing in there that's like, oh, somebody dies, dismember them and then carry their body around in a cooler. Not a thing. Um so when asked about Sean Farrell, Justin said that Sean died of natural causes. And after Sean's death, Justin took him to a place in Arizona and cremated him in a religious ceremony. Okay. gay. So, as of February 2019, Jessica and Justin's two children, the baby and the two-year-old, were still being fostered by the EMT and his wife. Jessica's sister, Sarah, said the kids are doing amazing, they're happy and cheerful, and it has not yet been determined if Justin will lose his parental rights. I didn't have an update on that, and then he was, um, my goodness, sorry, he was transferred to Kansas, uh, I'm sorry, from Kansas to Missouri so he could face child endangerment and the abandon i'm sorry the abandonment of a corpse charge, so yeah, he's not getting out of jail anytime soon. that's for sure, but yes, all the children are okay, and that's the good thing um, oh man, I'm trying to see if I have any more updates that I could offer you. I don't think that there is I think after all that happened, he people were just like over his case and so there wasn't a lot of updates um or anything like that. So yeah, I don't have anything. And it's likely because of the pending um or with coronavirus and everything with the courts being stalled. I don't think that there's been any movement in the Palm Springs case with Sean. So yeah, that's our case on Justin Ray. Pretty uh, jacked up if you ask me. Um Thank you guys again for hanging out with me a little past our time. I just thought this case was like so interesting and weird. He's weird again here. I'll put his, um, his YouTube information on there too. Um, but yeah, I mean, the videos are unhinged. I really honestly wouldn't spend a ton of time watching them because they just go on and on. Um, pretty ridiculously. So, um, He tries to share his side of the story so many times that it's just absolutely, um, ridiculous. So I had it up here and now I don't have it. Here it is. Hold on. I'll put it in the chat in case you want to watch it from your phone. For some reason you're bored, um, and hate your life. (laughs) Like I felt after watching it, um, So yeah, thank you guys so much for joining me. Hopefully I will sound less disgusting next week, but you know what? No promises at this point because I feel like I live in a vestibule of disease and it's just my life right now with a baby and daycare and my immune system being weakened from COVID. It's probably the most fun I've ever had in my entire life. I'm kidding. It sucks. Anywho, make sure if you're interested in any cases in the future, you got a case you want us to research, You can tap my picture, follow me on Twitter, anywhere else, really. Um, And we can cover whatever case you find interesting. Happy to go deep dives. Um, We have a great team behind everything that we do. So just remember, you can find me, True Crime Fan Club podcast, the Haunted It's Haunted What Now podcast, and Crimes of Passion, which is a ParCast original on Spotify. I think you guys are amazing and awesome. Thank you for joining me every week. I'll see you next Tuesday um for true crime convos and i hope that you guys have a great rest of the evening stay tuned for all the fun content we have today and i will talk to you next week feel free to chat with me on twitter because i will be sick and lonely without you okay bye friends okay fan club members as i conclude this episode my one question to you is how will you sleep tonight thank you for listening if you enjoyed this episode, please leave a positive review and rating on Apple Podcast or your podcast player of choice. It really does help. You can find us on most social media channels, Twitter at TCFCPod, Facebook.com slash TCFC Podcast, Instagram at True Crime Fan Club Pod, but let's not forget I'm still locked out. And of course, our website is True Crime Fan Club.com. If you have an episode request, send us an email, TCFCPod at gmail.com.